bang welcome to another episode this is one of our 0.5 episodes just me and you talking breaking down some of the conversations that we've already had today i want to share some thoughts i had on my conversation with toy baylor Uh, that interview was very well received i really enjoyed that one um, because it really brought out and highlighted um, what's going on at the youth level level of the sport the exposure level of the sport now Toy and I are from Illinois, so we could only talk to you about our experience and 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 all the things that she's doing here. But I think that that conversation was more representative, more representative of, um, you know, all around the country. I, I, you know, I think every state has a Toy Baylor, you know, in, or people who are really doing this for the right reason. I don't know if you guys caught this, but she mentioned that she has connected to five thousand players to colleges. Just forget the basketball for a second. Just think about that from a life perspective, from a from a culture perspective. How many young people have achieved their basketball goals and then started families and gotten careers and expanded their worldview thanks to the work, the tireless work of people like Toy and in, in her organization. And I certainly think I'd like to think that I'm a part of that. You know, and I know several others who are part of that, that we really are doing this for the right reason. So, yeah, in this episode, I just think there's some things that I want to go over that, you know, again, this is not to say that the interviews were not thorough. I thought the interview was thorough and it really highlighted all of the great things that she's doing. And she sort of helped us understand how exposure works and all of that. But I just have some thoughts that I want to share. And that's the beauty of having this opportunity to come to you guys. Um, you know, just on my own, no guests, no interview, just me and you. Let's talk through some things. Let's talk through some hoops and, um, you know, see if we see if we can learn a little bit. So um, these are my thoughts on my conversation with Toy Baylor. I thought one of the things she said around the 10 minute mark about her being a woman in a man's game, being a lady who coaches the guys at that time was difficult. And I think that if we're honest and to some extent, depending on who you're talking to, the argument could be made that it's still difficult, right? If you, you've got someone or dad or mom or anyone who's approaching the game the wrong way and not thinking about just basketball and leadership, right? If you're good at basketball and you're good at leadership, gender has nothing to do with that. But let's be honest, some people are going to be in the crowd and or part of that team that aren't, is not going to see things just that purely. A lot of people have a hard time looking past certain things like gender and color and age and things like that. So I don't think that's necessarily changed, but I do think that you see a lot more of it. You see a lot more women uh, coaching men. Um, It's happening at the pro level for sure. Um, You know, the Spurs are into it. The Celtics have, uh, you know, lots of NBA teams have women on their coaching staffs. And as it happens at the pros, it trickles down through college and high school. And I just want to be on record of saying like, Let's all get over it. Like it just should be that way, and, and that's for not just for our industry or for our sport. That's just for where we are as a culture in in America today. It's just we've all got to get over uh, looking at things through certain prisms and looking at things through certain bifocals that don't make any sense. Look for leadership. Look for basketball knowledge, and assess that. And so, to that point, it would go the same way if you are a female who's coaching guys and you are absolutely stinking it up 
right? You can't win any games. You can't get any buy-in. You're not running the right sets. You're not developing your players. If someone were to come after your coaching style and give you critique, you can't run and say they're doing that because I'm a female. That can't be the case. You've got to be good at coaching, period. And it goes the same way. Obviously, I'm a guy and I coach girls and I don't, I don't think of it that way. We had Scott Merritt on the show. Uh, we'll get that out to you guys at the next episode. But, you know, Scott Merritt is a guy, basketball player, graduated from Marquette, high level player. And now he coaches at the girls level. Doesn't matter. He, and he's going to he's going to talk to you guys about that. None of it matters. Can you coach? Yes or no. As a player, can you respond to good coaching? Yes or no. So I, I just want to encourage everybody when you get out into the into the world of youth sports, don't look at things through certain prisms uh, that sort of trap you into having uh, faulty opinions. Just watch the sport, watch the leadership. If it's good, be grateful that you have it. So around the 23-minute mark in my conversation with Toy, we got into tr- to transfers, right? And that's a pretty hot topic right now going around where, you know, the NCAA has done a good job of uh, – creating the transfer portal, which makes the transfer process more um, transparent, right? You, all, all schools can see who would like to put their name in for transfers now instead of, you know, going b- behind the scenes and just letting a couple schools know and then getting those schools in possible trouble for tampering and all that stuff. And so this is definitely a cleaner process. So I don't really want to talk about the process per se. I think it's, I think it's great the direction that it's going, but more, you know, the, the concept behind it, the, the thought process behind it, Toy and I, I was honest with her. I told her that, you know, I got that whole old school thing going on where accountability is everything and that uh, athletes should understand that if they're not playing, they've got to buckle down and get things done so that they can, uh, so they can play. And I appreciated her for educating me. And she certainly is going to be the expert on this topic. She deals with colleges and kids, um, to a, uh, umpteenth degree compared to what I do. Um, so I'm certainly deferring to her, to her knowledge. And I appreciate her coming on the show to, to express that. But my opinion on it is still more conceptual, not necessarily that there aren't times where the transfer is the right thing or that the coaches aren't uh, to blame at times and, and by giving false promises to athletes and things like that. All of those are, are fair points. What I want to encourage all of our listeners to to understand whether you're a player, whether you're a coach, whether you're a parent, wherever you are, you have to understand that when it's time to make moves in your life, when it's time to do something massive, like change a school or change a job or change a relationship, when you're going to change something, my encouragement to you is to do your best to remove emotion from that decision, right? I think most of us of mature ages understand that. If if you are upset, if you are feeling frustrated, if you are feeling rejection, in those moments, those are not the best times to make massive life decisions. Give it some time. Think about it bring logic into it, you know, bring, bring some, some truth into it. Be honest with yourself. It's, it's very easy for all of us 
to want the thing that we do not have. That's a very normal human condition that we all have. I don't have this thing and that's all I can think about. Right? So I'm at a big school, but I, but which is what I wanted, but I don't have the playing time. So all I can think about is the playing time, not the fact that I'm at a big school. Boom. I'm going to transfer. Okay, I'm at a small school and I have the playing time. But all I can think about is what I don't have, which is that big name recognition. So I'm consumed by that. That's a very normal, normal thing. What is slightly less normal is to recognize the thing that you have and really, really celebrate it and embrace it and maximize it. And to be okay with it. I always say that happiness is your right to pursue. But sometimes happiness is just a matter of recognition. You know? So this idea of, you know, transferring at the first sign of adversity, the first sign of problem and it being emotional based is where I would always just be that voice to to counsel young people to to be weary of just be careful just think you know the coach got upset with you today don't put your name with the transfer portal you know you're four weeks or four days or four games into a long season and you're not getting the playing time that you want that's not the time to put yourself into a transfer portal or to say i want out of here that's the time to buckle down look yourself in the mirror and say what can i do to improve my situation have you had your conversation with your coach yet? Have you told them how you feel? Or are you simply gritting your, sucking your teeth and rolling your eyes and going back to your dorm frustrated and taking that out on your teammates and quite frankly yourself and burying yourself dig- deeper into the, into the roster? Because you're allowing emotion to dictate what you do next. Or have you taken actual logical steps. You know what? I'm upset, but I put my thoughts down on a piece of paper. I express them cleanly with respect to what they're trying to do, which is win basketball games. And I asked for a meeting. And in that meeting, I was told, you know, we don't care what you think. They didn't want to listen to you. Maybe they didn't even take the meeting. You know, these types of things like that. Yeah. Logically, You might want to get out of that situation. They told you flat out to your face, you are not going to play here. There's nothing you can do. It was a mistake signing you. You're not going to play here. Put your name in the portal. That's not emotion. That's logic. Go find a place where you're wanted. But you're upset. You had a bad game. You had a bad practice. You had a bad sprain. Something something emotionally charged your decision. I, I I advise you to practice caution and don't run from accountability. One of the other things I found interesting talking with Toy was at the 35 minute mark. We talked about she was mentioning how she has a hard time with the uh, division three and the NAIA coaches getting to the events and the D ones are always in the building. But, 
you know, the smaller coaches spending the budget to get down there or whatever it is. I don't know if I have a take on it so much as just, you know, I'm just, I'm curious to continue exploring that topic. I think it's, you know, look, that's one of the purposes of our, our show is to get to the bottom of things and to try to help every entity of the, of the sport, every angle of the sport. So while we do spend a lot of time talking to players and everything like that, we still want to help coaches and we want to help parents. We want to help uh, event runners. We want to help referees. I mean, if you're, if you love basketball, this podcast is designed to try to help you with your basketball goals. I, I know I've said that a million times, but um, look, we're early on, so I'm just repeating it. This is just who we are. But this idea of college coaches, college coaches having a hard time getting to exposure events. I want a college coach to come on and, and defend themselves or explain that because I can't think of a better way to go hunting for unsigned talents or to know who's out there and where you can find diamonds in the rough than to get to these tournaments, trying to get to um, um, hundreds of different high school basketball games throughout the year uh, seems very, very difficult. And I can understand there being budget concerns for that, but to get to a couple of events in the summer uh, or to just spread out your staff and say, you know, there's, there's three events happening in the Midwest and I want, you know, I have three coaches, you know, send, send, send one to each one and get their notepads out and watch these kids play. These kids are playing their butts off. Let me, let me tell you guys something as someone who runs the grassroots area, when I'm talking to these kids, when I put together a schedule, we'll talk about the different events that we're doing to kind of warm up but we're selling these exposure events as massive days in these young people's lives. They have these goals. They have these dreams. They've been grinding. They've been working hard and they've got that date circled on a calendar because they think this is the day that all of my hard work is going to pay off and someone's going to come watch me play. And they're going to see that I'm more than I was last year or more than I was when this, when the spring started. That's what they're doing. They're going to sleep that night, that Thursday night before they leave for out of town. And they are excited. They're starstruck, man. They can't wait. You know, I mean, you know, we're talking about the good ones. I understand that there are some, uh, you know, that don't get it and they're not putting the work in. But I'm talking about the ones that you want playing for you and your program. They can't wait for those exposure events. And you need players, right? Coaches need players. Every year, you've got to get a recruiting class. That's how you win. So I, when she said that, it, it just it took me back. I, I can't understand why you wouldn't be there. I'm I'm looking forward to some conversations we've got lined up with uh, some some people that are in that level, the NAIA coaches, the D3 coaches. Um, and I, I'm going to ask them. I'm going to ask them straight up. I'm going to say, hey, guys, what do you guys think? What look, I did have a friend of mine. I won't say his name because he didn't he hasn't agreed to come on the show uh yet. But I do have a friend of mine who coaches D3, and he said to me, he hates the exposure events. He just hates them. He just thinks that the basketball is bad and that the coaching is bad and that, you know, it's just really, really hard to find people that can that can get into his uh system. And that's okay. Obviously, he he has to have a perspective on that. He does it for a living. But I want to bring those types of voices to the podcast so that we can get to the bottom of it. You know, maybe they can say something 
that helps the toy bailers of the world who run these events run them in a way that is conducive to coaches finding players. I don't, I'm not trying to say that I know what that is. I'm saying that if, if a someone like toy Baylor who is awesome for the game is putting so much work into these events and the college coaches, the smaller college coaches are not coming, but the smaller college coaches can come on and explain to us why they're not coming. Then maybe we can both stop jumping through hoops and we can all get better. Thank you very much for listening. If you're enjoying the show, we would appreciate it if you head over to iTunes or Spotify or wherever it is that you're listening and go ahead and give us a, uh, a review. Subscribe to the show so you can get notifications on when the next episode is coming out. Share it with your friends. We are in the infant stages of our show and we can use as much support as we can get. So if you guys are enjoying what we're bringing to you, head over to iTunes, head over to Spotify, share, subscribe, review. Now back to the show. The idea of roster sizes comes up a lot in conversation when you're talking about AAU basketball or club basketball. The business of basketball um, sometimes rubs against the the spirit of basketball, the competitive side of basketball, right? So you want to win, but you also don't want to lose money doing this. Unless, you know, look, if you've got, there's a couple ways you can go about this. If you're really, really good, you get the best talent in the country or in your state, you can get the shoe companies to come in, pay for what you got to do. You can go play at the high, high level. All right, cool. Don't worry about that. Go. You can take eight, nine players, 10 maximum. There's no reason to be on a sponsored team that has more than 10 players. That makes no sense. The other way that you see it done is you get small time sponsors like a church or, you know, just a family or, you know, just people who just want to do good thing for the community. And they'll say, hey, we'll cover the expenses for this team. If your expenses are covered, you do not need to bring on 11, 12, 13, 14 kids. Now, I know I know why you're tempted to do that, because, well, first of all, there, there is um there is a sentiment to just help as many kids as you can. So I understand that that can come from a good place to say, look, I just don't want to cut this kid. I want to bring as many kids on as possible because because playing youth sports is a great thing. Right. So cuts in 2020 can be unpopular sometime. But just take it from me, someone who's been doing this for a long time, you end up doing more harm than good when you have these really big rosters. You cannot please them all. It's impossible. If you play everybody, nobody will be pleased. If you play only the best players, then the back half of the roster will not be pleased. If you play everyone evenly, the top of the roster will not be pleased. And not just please, I'm not talking about like just complaining. I'm talking about like literally not maximizing the experience. They're going to miss an opportunity to improve or to get looked at or to really just, you know, flourish in your program because you've got 14 kids on the bench. So it's really important that we're careful, careful with our roster sizes. But before everyone goes and says, yeah, yeah, that's true. You should only have seven or eight. Well, here's the problem with that. 
if you've got seven or eight players and they want to play in six to seven or eight tournaments, every last one of them needs to come up with the money, you know, and again, in a, in a non-sponsorship a situation, every last one of those families needs to come up with an, enough money to cover those expenses. And then it can work. It can work. But what a lot of times what happens is families will say they want both. They want an affordable program that doesn't break the bank, right? Because they want the kids to get the experience, but then they want all the playing time in the world. And they don't understand that the business of basketball does not allow for that. For everything to be covered, 10 players can cover it and it can be very affordable. 11 players can make it a lot more affordable. 12 players more affordable, you know, and so on and so on. If someone's doing it right, again, I'm not even going to sit here and talk about people who are just stealing people's money because that's happening too. But, you know, there's just no point going down that dark road. I'm talking about people that are doing this the right way. They're still caught in this conundrum between the business of basketball and the competitive side of basketball. So I want you guys to understand that when you see these rosters come out, the, the good rosters are going to keep them under 10. Um, but if you're going for lower rosters, more playing time, parents, be prepared to pay more or be prepared to do a car wash or a candy sale or something to pour some money into the program so that the expenses can be covered. And they don't have to be extravagant expenses. You know, save, save uniform money. You don't need uniform. It's to be beautiful. You need to win. You need, you need to be competitive. You need to have skill development. That's what's important. So I want everyone to just, when you see these roster sizes, understand how business of basketball and competitive side of basketball sometimes don't marry in, in, in holy matrimony. And we have to kind of work around that. But to the guys who are in charge, let's make sure that we're doing it the right way and that we're not uh, having rosters too big and keeping money too high so that we can make a bunch of money. That's not the way to do this thing. This is about young people getting better at the greatest game in the world. Throughout the show, you're going to hear us talk about this high school AAU uh, civil war thing. And I'm just calling it that just, you know, because I'm a hist- I like history, but it's not really a civil war. It's, you know, no one's, no one's losing life or anything like that. But I do want to lay out for you guys what the problem is. I mean, there is there is a a need for a round table. There is a need for someone to galvanize the two these two different sides of the sport and get us working together in harmony more for the sake of the athlete. So I want to lay out for you guys what I mean when I say that this is happening. Like I said, being on both sides of it. One of the few people who who has that opportunity to be an athletic director and a club director. And so it affords me conversations on both sides of the table, both sides of the, of the equation. And let me, let me be clear that there are absolutely exceptions to this. There are people on both sides of that, of that, those two sides of the sport that are doing it great and they're working well together. The high school coaches are encouraging AAU play. They are connecting with a good AAU program and they're kind of like asking their players to go play for this team. And um, this team is is well intended and they're developing the kids in the spring and summer. 
according to what fits for the high school programs. And those things are working well. You also, like Toy said, you also have high school programs who have just taken over. And understand, like I said, AAU is not just AAU. It's just club basketball. So playing in the spring and summer is just a matter of getting uniforms and writing a check and having players. That's really all you need. So the high school coaches are starting to understand that. And they're just saying, look, we don't need to uh, attach ourselves to any program. We'll just take our assistant coach and we'll tell him to take our team around to these different tournaments. And there's nothing wrong with that. Okay. But here are some of the grievances from each side. So let's start with high school. So high school says that the AAU clubs are encouraging athletes to circumvent their high school coaches, right? In some cases, they're encouraging transfers, right? They're trying to take AAU teams and move them into high school teams. So you guys played together in the spring and the summer. You've had a lot of success, but you're going back in the winter to play for this school and you're going to go play in this school. Well, I'm an AAU guy and I'm going to try to work you guys to go together. And we're going to do some things with some, with some addresses, right? We're going to do some things um, with the rules, whatever. And we're going to try to get you guys in the same school. So really good high school coaches are losing out on some talented players because the AAU coaches are encouraging that. And you see transfers happening at the high school level the same way you do at the college level. And the high school coaches are tired of it. High school coaches are also accusing the AAU coaches of not being team oriented in the spring and summer. We roll the ball out. We encourage the the kids to shoot the ball and shoot it and shoot it and shoot it and think about themselves and think about themselves. And so then you're spoiled in that kind of system. You played for a spring and a summer for a guy who said you could pretty much do whatever you wanted. And then you hit November and this super strict guy is telling you that you've got to run, you know, flex offense or motion offense or whatever the case is. And you don't want to do it. And you're you're telling the coach and talking about the athlete. The athlete is telling the coach, I don't want to run that. I don't want to do that. Well, this is not fun. You don't respect my game. You don't know what I'm capable of. Not like my AAU coach does. And the high school coaches are hearing this and they're tired of it. And so they're they're putting a stigma on the entire club basketball organization. Remember, not all travel basketball is AAU basketball. But when you talk to high school coaches, that's what they'll say. Oh, these AAU guys. A lot of, a lot of guys who do club basketball have never even been in an AAU event. But those three letters get the, get the heat for everything that happens in tra- travel basketball. So the high school coaches are tired of some of the things that, that are going on. The promises that are being made. Oh, if you come here, we'll, we'll get you this. We'll get you that. We can get you into college. The high schools can't help you. The colleges are not looking at your high school stats. They don't care. Spring and summer is all that matters. Oh, oh, don't play any other sport. Definitely don't go out for your baseball team. Don't go out for your football team. Don't go out for your hockey team. Don't play men's volleyball. Don't play women's volleyball. They're being encouraged to do these things by the club coaches because the club coaches have a couple things in mind. 
One, money. If you go play for your high school team, that means you're not writing the check for their business. Basketball is not the only sport that is guilty of this. There are a lot of people who are paying their bills, guys, based off of your desire to play sports. So it's in our human condition to to survive and provide for our, our loved ones. So I want to eat. <laughs> so I, I need you to not play for your high school team so that you can help me eat. That thousand dollar check that you're going to write, 500 of which I am going to spend on your expenses. The other 500 allows me to keep my life. That's happening. I'm not saying it's happening everywhere. I'm not saying that every club is like this. I'm just saying it's happening. And the high school coaches notice it and they're calling us out on it and they're tired. Now, what about the other side? The AAU coaches are saying, hold on, high school coaches. You are not letting these guys play. You are holding them back. They've got a lot of talent. They're better than that junior that you have. My freshman is better than your junior. But because your junior has, you know, a prominent parent or something at at your school, you're not going to play my, you're not going to play this guy. This guy just had a great summer. Now you're not going to play him. Your systems are antiquated. The AAU guys are looking at the systems and they're seeing systems from 2001 and 1995. And, you know, there's no freedom of movement. There's no, there's no spacing. There's no conceptual reads. It's just, here's my pattern. I saw this pattern on the internet and uh, I don't have a ton of time to invest in understanding my craft. So, I want you to run this pattern. And if you don't run this pattern, you're a bad kid. And I'm going to put you on the back of the bench. So the AAU guys are tired of that. They just spent a whole spring and summer trying their best to develop that kid and to get them to come out of their shell and to be aggressive. And then they hit November and they're told that was a bad shot. Well, there's just a bunch of blame going back and forth. So what I want to do is look, nobody's right here. And nobody's wrong here. Everybody needs to just listen to each other. We all need to get better and we all need to start respecting these kids and do what's best for them. And what is best for them, no matter what our differences are, what is best for the athlete is that we work together. No discontent, no disagreement or no um, blame without addressing the disagreement. High school coaches and AAU coaches should be sitting down together, especially with their best players, right? Because we we both need them. So I'm a high school athletic director and I happen to be a club coach, but let's say I'm not a club coach at all. I would love for a club coach to call me and say, hey, we're we're gonna be running with so and so from your team. What 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 are you looking for? What kind of things are you guys going to run next year? What are your plans for him? Are you going to move him to the off off ball, or is he going to be your lead guard? You want to play him inside? You want to play him outside? I'd love to know what your plans are for him, because we're going to try to develop him around those plans. The, the first time I get a phone call like that, I'm going to let you guys know about it.
I'll come on and I'll do a show just to tell you. That's how excited I'll be. The high school coaches. I would love for you guys to get off your butt and get to these games in the spring and the summer. Support your kids. Don't hand them off and and go away. Watch them. Watch them. Stay engaged with them. Watch them. Send them notes. Send them um, tidbits. Maybe film it. Go over some film with them. Stay engaged in their process and make a connection with their AAU coach or their club coach. See, I'm falling for the same thing. Not all club basketball is AAU basketball. So get get a hold of their club and let them know that you're engaged as a high school coach and you're interested in the progress of the, of the athlete. Now, what I don't think we should be doing is necessarily force feeding them into particular clubs for all the other reasons that we talk about for the other different things. You know, if this roster is too big or if this roster is, you know, too much money for their family, unless you're going to help them pay for it, you know, and then those of us who are cross-connected, if you have a club and you are a high school coach, you forcing kids to play for your club for money is shameful. If it isn't the best situation for that kid, do not encourage them, do not strong arm them, do not hold playing time next year over their head if they don't choose your club. That's absurd. Parents, if you hear that, run. Run to your nearest state director and let them know what's happening because it's it's ridiculous. Nobody can tell, nobody who is genuinely interested in the best for your athlete is going to say, play here or else. No one's going to do that. Anyone who's genuinely interested in what's best for your athlete is going to say, hey, let's look at the landscape and and decide together where the best place is for you. I've got a couple guys on my in my in my uh, roster who are going to go play for different programs, and I'm encouraging that. I'm looking at the programs that they're going to, and I'm looking into them. I'm saying, "Oh yeah, I won't mention them here, but I'm looking at it. And I'm saying, yeah, that's a good program. That's a good program. Go go there. That one will work for you." Or I'm saying, you know what? No, no, no. I've seen this program play. They are not going to invest in you. Or their their particular style of play is not going to fit your style of play. My opinion is, I don't think that's a good spot for you. I will do that. But I will not funnel kids like sheep for money-making purposes or for clout purposes or for some sort of, I don't know, I don't know what other reason that we're doing that. But it's shameful and we got to stop it. So that's why I love these these episodes, these episodes where it's just me and a mic and just, you know, telling my truth. You don't have to agree with me. In fact, if you are a coach or a club director or on either side, high school, AAU, and I'm saying something that frustrates you or something that you want to defend or you think I'm way out of left field, call the show. Call me. Go to jthoopspod at gmail.com. Shoot me an email. I'd love to have you on. 
I'd love to have you on. I'd love to give you an opportunity to speak your truth. I'm as good a listener as there is in this business. I'd love to have you on because I want to get to the heart of things. I want to make things better. So maybe there's something I'm missing. But from where I stand as a guy who's been in this business for just under 10 years and been now a high school athletic director for four years, I'm looking at it from both sides and I'm saying we're both right. We're both wrong. The ones who are not putting the kid first are wrong. So I love this. So this is not the first time that I've talked about this. It will not be the last. Uh, we're, I'm, I'm with you guys for a while now. Uh, now that I've decided to do this, uh, I'm just going to put my whole heart into it. I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. I'm going to be honest with you guys all the time. And I'm going to enjoy it. And and we're going to try to get to the bottom of some, some, some of this. So uh, high school versus AAU, it's all for the kid. It's all for the young athlete. It's all about getting better at the greatest game in the whole wide world. Thank you for listening to the Jumping Through Hoops podcast. We hope you heard something that will help you get better on your path to basketball and life success. You can help us get better by hitting the subscribe button and following us on social media. If you would like to be a guest on the show, or if you have any questions we can answer for you, email us at jthoopspod at gmail.com. Until next time, always get better.